Hello, my name is Bear Paulson. I'm the general manager of North Star Canoes. I wrote this statement for a Forest Service public comment session about sulfide mining. I hope you all enjoy it. The title is What the BWCA Means to Me. I've traveled northern waters nearly every year since my birth. The lakes and rivers of the Boundary Waters run through my soul. I return year after year to drink clean water. My parents introduced me to the BWCA on Lac LaCroix's Lady Boot Bay at one and a half. We returned to the Northwoods yearly. One of my earliest memories is dipping a collapsible cup and drinking clean water. As a college student, I began making my own trips to the BWCA. Now 31 years later, I actively canoe, winter camp, and backpack in the Boundary Waters. Since college, I've spent over 600 nights in every month of the year camping in those northern forests and drinking clean water. In contrast, 26 years ago, I paddled up Wabagoon River, north of Dryden, Ontario, as part of a 139-day solo canoe trip that began and ended in the Boundary Waters. The Wabagoon was unsafe to drink, and I vividly recall climbing the steep banks with my water bottles and cook pot in hand and knocking on doors to ask for clean water. Twice a year for the past 20 years, I've guided high school students on week-long canoeing and winter camping trips in the Boundary Waters. Over the years, I've brought nearly 200 kids on their first trip to the BWCA. They delight in the experience and are the future stewards of the wilderness and the clean water. I fell in love with my wife on Gaskin Lake on my annual New Year's winter camping trip. A year later, I proposed to her on Time Lake. I enjoy recounting that I proposed while we were in the BWCA on a lake that can only be accessed by bushwhacking, in below zero weather, on skis, and on clean water. Now we're introducing our son to the BWCA. When we exited the Boundary Waters after his first 18-day trip as a newborn, Dashwood could say he'd spent over one-third of his life in the wilderness. Since then, he's been on two other long canoe trips and joined us for the 19th and 20th annual New Year's trips. Now, as he's about to turn two, he spent over 100 days traveling in all seasons over clean water. I applaud the mission statement of the Bureau of Land Management. It is tasked with responsible stewardship of our public lands. The guiding principle of the United States Forest Service is to protect the health of the nation's forests for future generations. I respectfully request that both agencies that oversee the Boundary Waters follow their mission statement and protect the land, the forests, and the clean water. Minnesota is a land of thousands of lakes and thousands of miles of rivers, all great for canoeing, but only a small portion is suitable for drinking. If we allow sulfide mining to occur, the waste will last forever. If we protect the BWCA, what lasts forever will be the clean water. In the United States, there's never been a sulfide mine that has not leaked. I hope you'll join me and North Star Canoes as we continue to oppose sulfide mining near the Boundary Waters. Thank you to everyone who chooses to paddle a North Star Canoe and to WTIP for creating this podcast. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experience we were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, you have breakfast, then you can relax, you can go paddling, you can go hiking. We've done this trip before to Horseshoe Lake, and I remember catching walleye there before. I went on a canoe trip in the Boundary Waters, 
and it's, it was really cool. It was my first time. The route from Ram Lake back to Poplar Lake with, with no packs, with, with only a day pack, uh, we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to episode 33 of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast, the All Audio Diary episode. I'm sitting six feet away from your host, Joe Fredericks. Well, I happen to be six feet away from your host, Matthew Baxley. All right, social distance for the win. Hey, this is, uh, we're not connecting on the phone as we've been doing for many episodes all summer long, it seems like. Except, Except when we were out in the canoe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's nice to, uh, to be face-to-face in your writer's cabin, Joe, where a lot of your creative work happens, uh, and we're doing it in the right way. Yeah, I think so. This is uh, nice to be here, and uh, you just opened a package that came in from the Murrow Award uh, organization. How cool is that? The plaque arrived today, here in September. Uh, nice to kind of see it and hold it i guess you know uh, we found out about that earlier this year talked about it already on the podcast but Ad, now the, ad nauseum yeah the actual <laughs> the actual plaque arrived in the mail today so just uh something to put on the wall it's pretty cool indeed you know this is a cool episode today joe i mean just the season is changing that's exciting but uh everything that we're going to hear today is recorded in the boundary waters it is. Uh, we're going to hear from your trip, Matthew. We go on your trip uh, that you were talking about uh, last month or on the short track, I forget, but you mm-hmm. you alluded to that you were going to do this trip in August. You did, and it sounds amazing. You revisit some of uh, our old stomping grounds through Winchell Lake, uh, so we're going to open the episode with that, and, and we'll just uh, let the listener go on that journey with you, too. Uh, then, also, we're going to head back to the Border Route Trail. Seems like it's been a long time since we visited the Border Route Trail on this podcast, Joe. 30 episodes, to be exact. Oh, it's, it's been that long. <laughs> yes. uh, yeah, episode three, we heard from uh, two of our two friends of the podcast uh, from the Twin Cities area who hiked the entire Border Route Trail through, hiked it. Mm. And, and then today we hear from actually another Twin Cities resident, uh, Michelle Schroeder who's uh, really accustomed with uh, backpacking. She does some stuff on WTIP, the radio station where we make the podcast about uh, backpacking. She gives tips and things. Uh, So she uh, did the Border Out Trail last year, did an audio diary, and we're going to include some of that uh, in the episode today too. It's exciting, Joe. All the paddling that we do in the Boundary Waters and the endless lakes, it's easy to forget that you can travel... A significant amount of this region on trail between the the powwow trail the kakakabic trail the border route trail and, and there's a lot of other smaller ones there that uh are lesser known and it's going to be great to dive back into the foot travel it is and uh michelle did this trip last september so it's a uh, kind of perfect timing because you'll get the feel of what it's like in the fall being out on the border route trail and uh i say we just dive right in matthew let's get to your Uh, summer Boundary Waters trip. This sounded like a much-needed getaway for you and and the team you were with out there. Uh, let's, Let's get right into it. 
It's evening. We nabbed ourselves a nice campsite. Loon calling out. Crew's got camp all set up. Just getting a fire started. Slip bobber in the water. Just taking it all in. This is exactly the place to be right now. We are here sitting at camp from the Boundary Waters on the fifth annual family venture into the wilderness. And on this family trip, we have two very special people. Hello, I am Lindsay Gao. I am Matthew's partner. I'm originally from Minneapolis, but now live in Grand Marais, Minnesota. And I've been coming into the Boundary Waters since I was 15 years old. And this is my dad. Hi, I'm Jeff Gao. Lindsay's my daughter, of course. And uh, there's nobody else I'd rather be up in the Boundary Waters with than Matthew and Lindsay. It's been great. They are beasts in the woods. <laughs> but I've been coming up uh, since uh, the early 90s when my boys were in Boy Scouts. And uh, I've gone on the western end and the eastern end, and I've really enjoyed it up here, and I'm glad to be here now. I'm really excited that you guys agreed to do some audio recordings on the trip. You know, together, this is our fifth trip in the last six years. Uh, usually we go in the late season, so late September, early October. And I think this is our first time in our string of trips that we've been out in August, uh, day one was uh, kind of a burly day of just getting in and settling in. Um, and we had some adventures uh, yesterday. Which one of you would like to share a few of your adventures from our day one coming in? I guess I'll lead this off. Um, I'm double packing, so I don't always get to see my feet on some of these tangly root portages and boulders and uh, mud up to your ankles and uh, I've had to learn to adjust that. I use some walking sticks and uh, it's really helped and uh, it was very challenging to say the least. Coming in on one of our last portages I'm, I'm watching where my feet are going because I can't see them because I got a pack on the front and I'm looking down at my feet and Lindsay's right in front of me with the canoe and I'm going to look, I look up and there's the canoe right in my chest. And I just sat down on my butt with all my gear on. And <laughs> Matthew ran over to help get me up. And I just didn't want to upend Lindsay with the canoe. So uh, it's all good. Uh, everybody's healthy. You took yourself down so you didn't take her down. Absolutely. Yeah. So Jeff, would you mind uh, sharing with folks how old you are? I'm uh, a young 67. Um, I'm retired, and uh, just I really enjoy it up here. The sort of arrangement of portaging that we have developed over the five years that we've been doing this is, uh, I think we've always gone in a tandem and a solo. Mm -hmm. Lindsay and I both take one of the canoes and a pack, and Jeff graciously agrees to portage with a pack on the front and the back. As you heard him describe, it comes with a completely different set of challenges. Uh, I don't know if the weight is too much less, but the visibility is definitely different. If you haven't been on the Meads portage before, 
That's 0.9 miles. It's rocky. It's really rocky. And muddy. And there's quite a bit of mud, too. And uh, there's three boardwalks, which really help get through the mucky area. Thank you, Forest Service, for maintaining those. But in those rocky sections, when you can't see your feet, that almost it's like a minefield of potential disaster. Jeff, would you mind sharing uh, the the one route situation that we had to encounter? Because I thought that was one of the most exciting points of the day. I'm assuming you're talking about the other spill that I had. (laughs) (laughs) I'll call it a spill, uh, and that's what it is when you're you're my age. But I've got two young bucks with me that that are are sure to help me out. It's a mindset to to try to guess where your feet are going to go. And um, uh, I went in deep with my left foot, and there was a root that was up to my knee. And a big root, big root, and I, 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 I. was surprised I fell the way I did. I uh, got a little little bit of a left hip pointer, but uh, a couple ibuprofen, I'm good to go. And uh, Matthew was Johnny on the spot, and he actually had to take my equipment off me to get me up out of the root. You were like a turtle on your back almost. Almost, Not yeah. Quite. yeah. <laughs> it was interesting, you know, because when you took that spill, the way that your body, your momentum was going to get up and over, which was really, you say root, but it was almost, it was log size, right? On top of a rock. So it was, yeah. you're talking about having to swing your leg up at least probably three feet. And if you miss that, uh, then you have a lot of potential when your momentum is flying to uh, come down hard. And I know that you kind of twisted and when you came down, your arm got pinned behind your back. And with that heavy load that you had, I mean, it was pinned basically under our food barrel. Yeah. And with the way that, that your momentum landed, it, it was almost impossible to get your weight off of that arm. You know, one one trick with a double packing is the fact that the pack in front, if it sits too low, you can't get your knee up mm-hmm. high enough to get make some of these steps to stay safe. So uh, have a long torso or a short pack in front. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so last year, Jeff was um, nursing some uh, some hand issues because he works so hard with his hands now that he's retired, especially that he had to kind of um, get them back in shape. And so we're back out here two years um, out from our last trip of this style of portaging. And you were talking about how you had to kind of get back into this groove of watching your feet and memorizing where your steps need to go. and But by the end, you were kind of uh, dancing around out there. I don't know if you'd call it dancing around. I think the portaging just got easier. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, what about you, Lindsay? Now that we're one night in, how are you feeling? I'm kind of sore today, but I'm so happy to be out here that, you know, it doesn't matter. Yesterday was a, it was a hard day. We just had a lot, we did a lot of kind of difficult portages and a lot of mud. And I think the thing that was really difficult for me is I'm using someone else's solo canoe and um, a different person's portage yoke. So they weren't made for each other. And so while I was portaging the solo canoe with my pack, if I adjusted the solo canoe at all on my shoulders while I was portaging, the yoke would slowly start to kind of come loose. And so the fact that we jumped in on the long meads portage right away, my yoke just kept coming loose. And then I would have to try and put the canoe down, but then the yoke would like get stuck on my neck. It was kind of just like a mess. And it was starting to get really frustrating and discouraging because 
I like take pride in being able to single portage and carry all of that, that weight and do all of that. And so I had to keep putting down my canoe and then help me adjust this yoke. And it was getting kind of frustrating. And so at one point I just kind of had to just say, I can't single portage. It was just getting too difficult. I put down my canoe and just finished the rest of the portage with just a pack on. And then I had to come back and get my canoe, which it's okay. I like to push myself, but something, some things, I guess I, for me, I just had to like accept that that wasn't going to happen. Do you want to add to that, Jeff? We found kind of a good system to mitigate the, the loose uh, yoke, and we just used some, a couple extra straps to kind of keep things straightened out. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, took some pride in, in uh, making a real good go of it. Yeah, we, did, we had to kind of... Problem solve. Problem solve. We figured out one way, tried it, that way didn't work, and then on the next portage we tried a different way, and that finally got it down. As we move into day two, and we're about to pack up and... And head out and through Omega and potentially over to Winchell, depending on how the day takes us. Just a a good reminder, reflecting on yesterday, that things don't ever go according to plan. Always unexpected challenges, uh, unexpected both of uh, personal challenges and challenges uh, of the wilderness that they dish out. And I think we're off to a great start of problem solving and working as a team. And here we go, guys. Tally ho. Bye. Is that feeling you get when you're in the wilderness after a few days and it's like something kind of clicks and there's a release? At least that happens for me and I'm really looking forward to that sinking into the wilderness where it's like for me I get to this point where outside thoughts stop like trickling in and just allowing myself to deepen into more whatever the wilderness is supposed to teach me this time. I'm looking forward to that. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. How are you guys feeling today? Mm. Rested. Content. Relaxed. Mm. How about you? It's a constant sort of uh, ebb and flow between wanting to get moving and wanting to sit still. I hear you. Uh, right now I know that Winchell is in our future today, so there's that part of me that wants to get over there, but then I just keep reminding myself I'm in a beautiful spot right now to appreciate it. Mm-hmm. It is uh, day three of the trip. We... Woke up today in a beautiful campsite on Omega, between Henson and Winchell in our destination. Lindsay, I want to ask you a question. Uh, two nights ago, you said your your bud was looking forward to sort of deepening into the wilderness connection. How's that going so far? It definitely feels like it's happening. Like it's a slow progression, which kind of eat each day... I get deeper and deeper, but I caught myself yesterday just sitting in my hammock, staring out at the lake, and I was like, I could just do this for hours. I was like, yeah, all right, I'm in it. I'm in it. It's happening.
you to this is your sixth trip together the first being Lindsay when you were 15 mm -hmm. and then five more trips in the last six years I'm curious what keeps the two of you coming back out here together year after year for me it's the love of the wilderness and the outdoors, of course. That's that's the start of everything. But when Lindsay came the first time and she just absolutely fell in love with it, and I had such a good time showing her the many things to be appreciative up here, the solitude, the silence. And then as it turned out in the last five trips, I think my relationship with Lindsay has gotten to a point where I, I, I really respect her as a, as a person and a human being and she has taught me so much about being a dad and and working together and our communication has grown tremendously and I attribute a lot of that to the solitude and, and quietness that we're experiencing up here. I think I keep coming back for the same reasons as my dad expressed thank you for your kind words dad you're welcome i think back to our first trip together when i was 15 and we went on an eight-day trip and it rained i swear like what like five or six out of those eight days or something yes <laughs> yeah <laughs> and but it was just it was still amazing it was still unlike anything i had ever experienced and then i think as I've grown into adulthood. My dad and I's relationship has gotten a lot closer, a lot stronger, and we're just more connected. And so then when we come out into the wilderness, I think we just kind of automatically make a good team. I think the three of us do, but coming out here, it's just an opportunity to continue to deepen our relationship with each other. And I think through the wilderness together, I think it's all connected and think that's what keeps bringing me back you know I also really respect and appreciate the third cog that we have here and that's Matthew and, <laughs> and uh, he adds a lot of humor to the trip uh, some really deep insight to things that we don't normally do like fishing and and uh, certain animal calls and he has a lot more experience I think in the water than than, than I do but uh, it would the trip wouldn't be the same without Matthew along Agreed. I kind of think that's one of the nice things about having a trio on a trip is that you have these opportunities to kind of mix it up. And uh, if one person wants to be alone, they can kind of slip away. There's always somebody to kind of be with if you want and share camp and talk to and work with, even if another person needs that alone time. And I think I've really appreciated the balance in, on these trips of closeness and camaraderie and relationship building and teamwork but also the real deep respect for space that we all give each other and that there's a different type of connection that you experience in the wilderness together as you do alone and having both of those things on these trips is really powerful and really special you get that depth of solitude and individual relationship with the wilderness with that sort of safety and camaraderie of the team mm -hmm. you know it says a lot that i feel like i can do and say whatever i 
am naturally and authentically feeling out here. You guys see my crabbiest sides and my... (laughs) (laughs) And I think my other more grateful and appreciative sides. Uh, It's an honor to be a part of this tradition that started 20 years ago. 35. 35, so 20 years ago. We're right in the middle of it once again. evening it's nighttime of our third day of the trip our second full day in the boundary waters I've come to see those days where I wake up in the wilderness as especially in this trip that that's when I really first notice that I'm starting to settle in you know it's one thing to paddle in It's even another thing to go to sleep, but to wake up in the Boundary Waters is really special. And I thought I'd squeeze in my own little solo audio diary for this trip. It's, you know, been a time of a lot of fun and a lot of relaxation, and on this trip especially, a lot of slowing down. I've been reflecting on, in that slow pace, uh, just a lot of thoughts and feelings that just percolate up to the surface, and I don't spend a lot of time with them, just noticing them and noting that they're there. And, you know, this last year has been a hard one, I think, as it has been for everybody on so many levels. And... You have the, you know, this COVID pandemic, which, you know, fortunately for me and my part of the world has not threatened many people's uh, physical well-being from the disease perspective, but really is just the, the disruption of life and the disruption of routine and the disruption of stability and certainty has been really unnerving I think for a lot of folks and you know I've spent a lot of time thinking that none of that's affected me too much and in a lot of ways it hasn't directly but indirectly I think that disruption has sort of cracked me open a little bit broken me out of uh, a holding pattern that I've been in for a long time. Years, in fact. And I think the reason I'm bringing this up now is because I haven't really realized that until being out here in the wilderness and slowing down and being with my thoughts and feelings that, that I've realized that that crack has formed. And... You know, as I'm in the wilderness, which is the place that you usually I find the most peace and the most joy, and, and there's a lot of peace and joy in this space that I'm feeling, but, you know, I've said several times on the podcast that the wilderness reflects back whatever you bring to it, and, and, and I'm realizing that the thing that I'm having reflected back to me is just a tremendous amount of grief. 
and I use that term in the form of the notion of grieving that I grieving a lot of losses and those losses were first kind of sort of triggered by COVID and the loss of pattern and routine and certainty and stability but then when that grief started to come out I learned that there was a lot of my own deeper grief and sorrow from you know years built up that has not really seen a lot of movement and it's ironic to me that that movement of grief can only come when I stop moving and that's happening out here I know in my mind that it's a good thing but it is a painful thing to have to feel all of it but I'm grateful I'm really grateful every time I'm out here that the wilderness shows me some something new that I'm meant to see within myself so thank you again Boundary Waters thank you again Wilderness thank you again to this infinite universe of stars I see above me as I sit in the darkness hearing the waves splashing against the shore special now I'm off to bed Good morning, Dad. Good morning, Lindsay. Matthew isn't in camp right now, so we uh, took his phone and decided to do our own little recording. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to take over as co-host for uh, for this little interview we're going to do here. So, Dad, we touched on this briefly. Oh, I should say, this is our fourth morning, right? Fourth, fourth morning. Fourth morning. We're on Winchell Lake. Headed in for a big day today to to get to Brule. My dad and I had a little adventure this morning together, one-on-one. But dad, I want to start off, you touched on this briefly, but how did you first get introduced to the Boundary Waters? I think it was back in the early 90, 92, 1992, and I had never been up before. And I helped organize a Boy Scout group. Uh, back then it was 10 to a group, and to go in, and we had two adults and eight kids, and we, it was an ambitious trip, and the, the kids were young and eager. It was a lot of fun. It was a real eye-opener for me, and I, I really enjoyed watching the boys have a good time out in the wilderness and, and uh, all the trials and tribulations that go with a young group and a couple of adults. It was, um, I've been hooked ever since. And you all went in quite a few times with the Boy Scouts, right? We went in, we went in two years in a row, and then my son Brennan and Drew, they, they were done with Scouts. So we, the second year was equally as gratifying as the first, but it really cemented my love for the area up here. And you've done some winter Boundary Waters camping too, right? We did with the Boy Scouts. We did it actually the, in the wintertime in January, and um, we did uh, two days and two nights. I remember 15 below under the stars. Mm. That was adventurous for us. <laughs> I didn't sleep sound. So you were outside? Outside under the stars, me and the scoutmaster. Yeah, 15 below, and I had a double bag it, and uh, we slept with the orange juice and uh, the milk so it wouldn't freeze. 
And the eggs, right? And the eggs, yep. <laughs> You're right. I forgot about that. I've heard this story quite a few times. Yep, yep. That, that's, a, that's not a tall tale. Yeah. So good memories in the Boundary Waters you've had. And then our first trip in together was when I was 15. Yep. And, you know, we... We touched on that briefly previously. That was that was also kind of a hard trip. We we gained we did a lot on that trip. I think we were out for eight days, and I think five out of the eight rained. It, but it was wonderful. And then you and I didn't go in again until six years ago. Right. I took quite a long hiatus from coming in too until. My adult life, when I went through a really, this is before you and I started coming in together, but I went through a really hard time in my life, and I had some friends invite me to go in. It was brought back all the memories of why I loved this place, and that's when I got hooked again, and I've been going every year since then. It's just a place that I think can provide so much healing and connection to oneself and with others. And I know that's why I, I keep coming back. How about you? I, th- I think one of the biggest draws, you know, obviously is the silence and the solitude and, and the wildlife. I mean, that's wonderful, but a, a deeper part of it for me is the connection that I've made with you, Lindsay, about life in general and, 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 and having all that one-on-one connection, um, like last night around the campfire, Lindsay said, "Oh, Dad, I got a little little adventure I want to take with you. Could we do a you know a, um, a tandem trip, just you and I, uh, tomorrow morning before breakfast? I got a little something I want to show you." And I said, "Yeah, sure. I'm I'm game. I love adventure." I said, "Well, where we're heading for?" So we took the tandem and went went basically across Winchell here. From our campsite. From our campsite, pretty much straight across. And I had no idea what she was leading me into. As we got closer to the other shore, I could I could hear water running. But not until you got up close could you figure out where it was coming out because you couldn't see the inlet. Sure enough, we, we pulled our canoe in. And you could hear it. It, 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 it sounded like a small waterfalls. It was exciting. Um, it was wonderful. It was just a series of little waterfalls. And then we were able to climb, you and I, and mm-hmm. we were able to climb up into the waterfall and scurry up the rock. Lots, was, of, lots of little small ponds, uh, uh, you know, not very deep. Uh, I'm always looking for amphibious uh, wildlife in, that, in those situations. It I, brings back a lot of memories of when I was growing up. And I was looking for, you know, uh, frogs and toads and, and fish and... We saw some eagles, a set of loons this morning. Yeah. Remember oh, that? the loons were crazy this morning. There was three of them just making a ruckus because of the bald eagle that was flying over them. The hoot and the hollering was just, I had never heard anything like that that close. Yeah. And uh, everybody was in awe. That was back at the camp before we went to the waterfall. Back, yep. At the waterfall, it was just... Yeah, it was pretty connecting, huh? Yeah, it was it was really a good time for for us to connect one-on-one and, and ha- have a, a deep conversation about things and uh, in our lives. And um, it, I, I was humbled 
by the conversation and the alone time I had with you this morning. It was uh, mm-hmm. it was perfect. Yeah, it can be hard to sometimes have those deeper, more meaningful conversations in everyday lives, everyday life when you're really busy. And up here, I know for our relationship, it it'll oh it'll that space seems to just be presented to us to be able to have those conversations that sometimes we don't always have time for and I know that wasn't the case always for our relationship like we weren't close when I was younger and growing up it wasn't till I was going through that really hard time in my life that you and I became close yep I, I, I remember that it was a it was a kind of a slow grow and um, I was I, you know I felt I was hungry for that connection with you and it, it's really really strengthened it strengthened my love for my children all of my family and the love to bring them up here to the Boundary Waters mm-hmm. to make that connection with communication with each other because it's um, it's a natural thing to do up here I think. Mm-hmm. And then be able to bring that relation back outside of the wilderness, too, so it all comes full circle, huh? Yeah, yeah. When I go back to my home in Minneapolis, it's like I'm leaving the real world. Yeah. And it's, I'm, I'm kind of sad on that last day, you know, to have to go back. Um, and it, it, it makes me long to be back up here again. Um, it's just a real special place for me, and I'm I'm really thankful that... Minnesota has this for us to enjoy. Yeah. And that seems like a good note to end on. So let's go paddle in the real world yep. and get to Brule. Yeah, let's get after it. <laughs> <laughs> right. There are three or four loons all calling out to each other as an eagle swoops and dives looking for a morning meal. About half an hour ago as I was getting my slip bobber switched over, I heard a loud sploosh and I looked up about two, three hundred yards away on Winchell was that same eagle pumping its wings up from the water carrying some sort of meal for itself, maybe a fish. This lake, Winchell Lake, the most inspiring in terms of just beauty and serenity. Loons, eagles, hawks, just amazing things. This truly is a magnificent place. Good morning. Morning, everybody. Good morning. It is Thursday, day five, the final day of our... We currently sit on the edge of North Bay on Brule Lake. Just finished packing up our camp after a relaxing and slow morning of... uh, Cooking a big meal, sipping coffee, great conversation... Just resting into our final paddle for the day. And as we sit here, 
Uh, it is a time of contemplation of things that have stuck out from our trip as a whole, but also just the fairly uh, intense last 24 hours. Yeah, so I'm thinking, I'll start off just talking a little bit about yesterday was uh, a little bit of a tough day. We had a long, a long day um, of getting to Brule. Beautiful paddling. Matthew caught a fish, which was very exciting. Woot woot. <laughs> uh, which was cooked for dinner last night as part of dinner. That was all really lovely, but it, it was hard to find a campsite because we decided to take a long day paddling, and when we got to Brule, a lot of the campsites were taken. I think, how many did we look at? 11? We passed 11. Before we ended up in North Bay and found one site open that was unlike any other Boundary Waters campsite I've ever been to. It's kind of... It's not on the lake. It's like a far path back to kind of like a... A meadow? Like a, yeah, like a meadow area. A blueberry, raspberry, strawberry field meadow. Yeah. It's really beautiful. It's just different than a lot of campsites in the Boundary Waters. And we, I think we were all just so grateful we found it. It's a long day yesterday, but those long days can be really rewarding at the end of the day makes me feel strong and it makes me feel confident that I can keep going and paddle and portage for that many hours. I consider the, the three of us fairly strong paddlers and starting off we knew we had a ways to go. We ended up covering six portages. So we covered six portages and I don't know how many miles but uh, took off at 11 yesterday morning and we found the one and last campsite that we almost didn't find. It was hard to locate, off the beaten path. It was a hard slog, um, you know, seven and a half hours of portaging and paddling and uh, uh, Matthew and I are searching at the end of North Bay and Lindsay takes a more direct route over and Matthew and I can't find it. Lindsay gets out of her canoe and uh, trails up and then we end up coming over after her a short time, maybe no more than five minutes. We see the trail going up, but no fire pit and no indication that it was really a site, but maybe a trail. We get about two-thirds of the way up the trail and Lindsay comes screaming down with her hands in the air, just very jubilant. What a great feeling that is to get the last campsite available. There was a little concern about it, but the three of us have been through this before. And it was just as hard before as it was now. And, and we were talking about this as a group. And, you know, what part of our body aches the worst? We're hungry. Early in our five and six years of, of going together, we've been in a situation like that a couple of other times. Mentally today, yesterday, we were prepared for it because we've been through it. And for me, it was the fact that we've been through it before. We've felt the frustration and not finding anything right away. We sucked it up and went forward and, and found this last site and it was a, a bit of a minor miracle for us and as a group I think it really made us strong. I think on this trip I really really sunken in how difficult the 2019-2020 has been for me of, of a lot of different stressors in my life 
and how privileged and grateful I am that I have the opportunity to come into the Boundary Waters to decompress and really ground myself and get back to reality. And I recognize that not everyone has that privilege, like both, you know, physically, like I have, I'm able to access the Boundary Waters physically, mentally, emotionally, and financially. Privilege that I had a dad who had access to those things, who was able to take me into the Boundary Waters when I was young. And then I had friends who took me back in and reintroduced me to the Boundary Waters and that I have the means to continue to do that. That I have financial capability to access gear, to take time off of work. Like I just, I really am recognizing a lot of my my privilege in all of this, having access to the Boundary Waters because it's not accessible to everyone. And I really hope that that can change one day. Because it's just, it's such a huge part of my mental and emotional health and brings my life so much joy. I really wish everyone had that, had equitable access to the Boundary Waters. And I think that's been a huge reflection on this trip. And I just feel so grateful that I have lovely people to go into the Boundary Waters with as well. I, I second that. I'm, I'm blessed to have two younger people to go with me to help me carry the load. I think about, you know, the, the fact that I can still get out and do this and, and, and stay safe. But, but carrying the weight, you think about that when you get up, get up in age. And I hope I'm able to do this for another 15 years or so. And maybe longer. We'll see how it goes. But my two companions here really make it worth my while. Sometimes they, they remind me about, you know, keeping balance and they're concerned and and I understand that. And so if you think about, you know, going later in life, get some good companions to go with you because it goes a long ways. Thanks, guys. Just going to close here with a few of my own reflections. And you're welcome, Jeff. This trip specifically has been an incredibly balanced trip. We've had tense startings of the trip in the beginning with the Meads Portage and then we paddled pretty far the first day, farther than we expected, but then you know, we made some intentional choices to have some really short paddle days and to really settle into a couple of the campsites that were especially beautiful on really beautiful lakes and lots of time to just be. And within that space, lots of conversations that were really meaningful lots of playfulness lots of humor (laughs) lots of loons but also you know a a good dose of hmm, seriousness and really vulnerable and intentional discussions about life and relationships and healing we really hit it all and uh I think as far as uh, a perfect trip, ending on a really hard push on our last full day, having to dig down deep and to be able to sit here with the loons calling and know that we just have a couple hour paddle to the exit. Couldn't think of a better way to wrap this up. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm.
Hi folks, this is J.T. Haynes. I'm the Northern Minnesota Advocate for the Minnesota Center for Environmental Advocacy. We love the Boundary Waters at MCEA. We've been working on air, water, and wilderness issues to protect this wonderful place since 1974. And now we have our first ever office in Duluth. On behalf of MCEA, I want to thank Joe and Matthew for creating this really great podcast. And I'd like to invite all of you to check out our 10-day series of online events this month, starting with MCEA Up North, live from Duluth, on September 15th. You can find details about this event and more at VoicesDrivingChange.org. That's VoicesDrivingChange.org. Happy paddling! Matthew, thank you for taking us on that trip. It's my pleasure, Joe. I'm curious, you know, we've heard from, uh, we're going to hear from Michelle Schroeder next about her trip on the Border Route Trail, and we've heard from, of course, Eric uh, from Nebraska, who took us on his emotional trip with uh, with his father passing away, and we've heard from a number of other people that have done these audio diary trips where you're really along for the journey. How was that from a, a technical, psychological, <laughs> both of those components? Was it, you know, somewhat annoying to be having to deal with the technical side of it or, or hindrance in any way? And then how about also the psychological? Did it make you be like, I want to get this? Did you think about the trip a little bit differently, I guess? So it not at all was it a, bit, a burden. And yes, I will continue to actually do audio diaries on future trips. The experience of going back and re-experiencing the trip through these audio diaries, just on a personal level, was actually really profound and, and joyful to ride, you know, the waves of the trip all over again. And um, and of course, to put it together for the podcast is uh, is excellent. But I will do an audio diary from now on, for at least at the very least for my personal reflection. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. And I think, you know, they've been well received on the podcast from our listeners and feedback we've gotten. So, uh, for anybody who's hearing this and thinking that they'd like to do something what uh, Matthew and Lindsay and Jeff did on their trip or any of the others uh, who have, you know, most people, to my knowledge, had little to no experience doing something like that. So don't be afraid to give it a shot and, and send it into us. Uh, we'd, we'd love to hear about your trip and it'd be certainly under consideration. So please, uh, if you're thinking about it, give it a shot. Send us an email. Uh, BWCA podcast at gmail.com or joe at WTIP.org. And, or uh, even on our Instagram at WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. Yeah, exactly. So uh, let's, let's, let's yeah. head on foot into the Boundary Waters let's do show. It. Let's, let's keep going with the audio diaries. Here's uh, Michelle Schroeder. Heading into the Boundary Waters section of the Border Route Trail today. I have been lying here in my tent. It was an interesting night. Something uh, jumped on my tent, and then I could hear grass being plucked next to my tent. I'm kind of all around my tent. It made for um, an early morning for me. I'm hearing birds that I've never heard before, and uh, it's lovely with all the migratory birds flying through. Uh, it's quite nice to hear um, nature that I've never heard before. Heard some barred owls last night, a um, couple loons this morning. It's a perfect fall day, very quiet night, um, other than the um, thing that landed on my tent, slid down the side, might have been a 
bird? I'm not even sure. Flap sounds like flapping flapping wings on my rain fly. I was gonna maybe get up to look, but my um, sleeping bag and um, pillow are a little too comfortable. I'm really looking forward to getting on the trail today. Uh, more later. Hoofing along here, hiking on the Border Out Trail after a little morning break, and uh, sun just started popping out, which is always reassuring. A lot of white pine needles on the trail. Makes for like a nice carpeted, soft hike. Just cruising along. Checking out West Pike Lake. Astounding uh, scenery here. We haven't had any mishaps other than my wiping out twice on the trail this morning, getting used to a newer pair of shoes. But otherwise, everything's going great so far. We'll give you a bigger report later this evening. Sitting out here by the lake's edge, I'm watching the stars come to life. And I noticed this bird uh, getting fairly close to me. I assume there are two loons on the lake here, and I'm assuming they're either a nesting pair or the, they're the loonlings um, from, that were born earlier this year. I didn't think I would hear loons up here. I thought they'd actually already moved out. So it was a really nice surprise to be hearing them all day. And then here on Gojebek Lake, um, to hear them uh, this evening as we were eating dinner. So today was an interesting day. Uh, we did uh, a little over 13 miles and um, started out really foggy, ended up sunny, a little bit hot. Um, I did jump in the lake tonight here just to rinse off a little bit, uh, which is always one of my favorite parts of backpacking pretty much anywhere. And uh, we, I ended up with a leech on my leg. It hadn't attached yet. It was sniffing around, but I managed to get that thing off. Um, and it was completely worth it. Beautiful evening. Um, I know there's going to be storms in the forecast for tomorrow. I think that's Venus over there that I'm seeing on the horizon. It's lovely. Waiting for some more stars to pop. Feels like there's some weather coming in. There's a breeze um, kind of kicking around a little bit tonight. So as we were trying to hang our food, um, Annie was gracious enough to actually um, anchor the bear rope earlier tonight. And uh, while I was swimming around, we went to hang the food. <laughs> It was on a dead branch, and that baby came crashing down the second she pulled on it. <laughs> uh, I, I, I believe she'd own up to that one. That was pretty good. We ended up finding another place, um, throwing the rope over in the dark. It wasn't too tough. I don't typically like doing that in the dark, but that was actually um, pretty easy to do once we found the right tree. It's probably around 8 p.m. It's dark. Just waiting for the stars to pop, and I saw this silhouette of a bird on the lake, and uh it got pretty close to me, probably within two feet, uh, and it ended up being a Canadian goose. We've been seeing a lot of them flying, heading south. Huge Vs. Um, winter's definitely on its way, and uh, I think this one's probably looking to connect up with some other geese. It probably thought I was a goose. We're up here at viewpoint 30, looking across mountain lake over to Canada. It's my first glimpse of Canada and it's really beautiful. It's been a, a nice morning, about 10 rain droplets so far, that's it, and a fun group of guys uh, at a Clearwater Lake East campsite. We thought about camping there last night, um, trying to push on, uh, but I'm glad we didn't. There were six guys camped there, great guys, with a lot of um, Johnny Walker <laughs> and more food than I've ever seen anybody pull into the, the Boundary Waters in my entire life. Um, sitting here, there was a little red squirrel tearing around the um, 
viewpoint here up and down the trees. I think we're probably close to its nest. I think, I don't know, it's the craziest red squirrel I've ever seen, probably trying to distract us from its nest. The mountain ashes here with all of the red berries just in full red regalia. It's a nice morning to be out on the trail. Up here, I'm looking at my map. I think it's a viewpoint 26. It was a slog day up here. I'm done huffing and puffing, but now the sweat's pouring down my face. And uh, the view here is stunning. It's a... Uh, there's an island out there. All these inlets out here. It's a uh, Watap Lake. It's a beautiful place. I didn't know the Boundary Waters could be this beautiful. Uh... I knew it was pretty from the water, but I had no idea it was just pretty from the trail. Today is Sunday, September 22nd. Um, I put on just about 10 miles today, snuggled down here in my tent at Partridge Lake. It's not the prettiest campsite by any stretch, but man, if anybody ever wants to see what a storm can do uh, to a landscape, it is just completely decimated here. I can't even imagine being here in a storm like that. That um, that would be terrifying. I'm not sure I'd ever come back. I like getting the fix from my own solo trip. So I know last year when I soloed in the John uh, Muir Trail Wilderness, 21 days out there, I had a blast. And um, I, I, it's funny because when I was on the John Muir Trail, I really missed Minnesota autumn. And <laughs> here I'm kind of missing uh, the John Muir Trail a little bit. So it's it's been a it's been a really interesting, uh, wonderful trip. I know what the border route trail is like now. Uh, um, it's great. I would say it's definitely not for beginners. Um, the views today were just astounding. Looking across Rose Lake to Canada, just amazing. Some of the most quintessential shots are some of the places I saw today, including. Let me take a peek here. It is called. Um, Stairway Portage Falls. Some people call it Rose Falls. <laughs> it's got a few different names. Just really beautiful. Um, I'm looking forward to um, getting up early tomorrow and hitting the trail just before it gets light. Tonight, got into camp here around 7, which uh, this time of year is it's uh, pretty much sunset. So it gets dark pretty fast. It's not that late, but I'm going to be turning in. It's It's pitch black here. A few stars out, but that's it. And I've heard some, some more geese flying south. It's that time of year, and I'm glad I'm fitting in this trip now. I enjoyed some wonderful pasta primavera tonight, one of my favorite dishes on trail. It's a little bland, so I always uh, bring a little extra kick, kick of cayenne to go in there with it. And it hit the spot. I'm uh, tucked in, and I'm ready to go to sleep. It's going to be a cool night here tonight. It's really damp down here. and uh, But I've got my zero-degree bag, so I will be... Toasty fine. Sweet James. So it's raining in my tent. It's about 4.15 in the morning. Uh, Monday. The 23rd. And um, last night. Uh, my stomach was making so much noise. I kept. I was convincing myself. That something was after my food. So I got up and yelled in the woods a couple times. Um clapped my hands, chased off whatever it was, even though my food wasn't moving at all. Um, redid a bear hang a couple times just to get it even way higher than it was. Get back in my tent, and then I would start hearing it again. and be like, oh my god, you got to be kidding. And uh, then I listened further. Actually, I left the rain fly open, and I thought, all right, I'm just going to flash the light the next time I hear this noise. 
And I did so, and there was nothing around by my food at all. I thought maybe it was a squirrel that sounded like a bear, or I thought I had a bear in here that was 15 feet tall. I had no idea. <laughs> whole time, it was just my stomach. <laughs> so, I'm at a dispersed campsite tonight um, by Loon Lake. I was a little bit intimidated by this. I kept thinking that, uh, man, it sure would be nice to stay at a lodge tonight, but I'm really glad I took a little break. There's a really nice uh, bench um, close to Loon Lake that somebody brought in or built. Uh, looked at the scenery, got some water, backtracked a little bit to where I could see a sunny spot, and I thought, okay, I'll tuck in there. Set up making myself one of my favorite meals, Thai curry. Thai curry with um, freeze-dried coconut milk. It's got a nice kick to it. It's almost restaurant quality. Um, my camp's all set up. Bear rope is up. Um, just waiting for the water to boil. You can hear, potentially hear that in the background. Um, today I was in a surly mood. Uh, when I was out in the brushy area where the uh, blowdown happened, then a, a prescribed burn and then a regular burn, um, thinking, you know what, there comes a point in every trip where I hate it. And I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? I'm, whose validation am I trying to get? My dad's? Why, do, why don't I just sell all my stuff when I get home? I just want to be clean. I, just, I want a fancy job where I can just be in an office all day and wear white. Um, but then uh, eventually, once things cooled off and I tucked into some vegetation with moss around and trees and uh, the day just took a big, huge exhale, and um, I conjured the bravery to not um, rush to a resort here and um, sat at Loon Lake on a bench for a bit. That was quite lovely. And uh, just let myself look at the maps, figure out where I'm at uh, mentally and time-wise. And I'm back here. Um, and uh, getting ready for the night. So dispersed camping was actually pretty nice. Uh, I hope to be doing some more of that in the future. Hike today was gorgeous. Just a perfect fall day. I mean, if you want a quintessential fall day in the woods, today was definitely it. Lots of varied terrain on the trail, <clears throat> some pretty wide sections. Uh, and then when I was just about to feel like I wasn't sure which trail to take, I got to the Gunflint um, High Cliffs Overlook, and there was a couple there um, doing some really fun photography. And uh, there's <laughs> trail angels uh, just when you need them. Uh, they said that they had tried to hike uh, through hike the uh, border route trail a handful of years ago, and uh, they got lost right at that very spot. They said there were blue flags pretty much on all of the different trails, but my instinct was actually to take a specific trail, and lo and behold, they had a kind of a cartoonish map that uh, the Gunflint Lodge has, but it's handy because there are all these uh, different um, cross-country ski trails that loop around this way, that way, that way, and back, and around, and up and over, and so uh, I looked at it uh, for a quick moment, compared it to my map and my compass, and sure enough, I managed to pick the right route, uh, and that, that was great. I had to make several choices throughout the day, and whenever I felt myself uncertain, uh, I just had to pause for a minute, look around, make a little bit of an investment into investigating the trail, and then, of course, there was signage, and so I actually did not make any wrong turns at all today, which felt pretty good. Um, so, uh, JT and Jackie, this is a shout out to the two of you. Uh, one of them has friended me on Facebook and is al already following me on Instagram. And I hope to bump into them, uh, in the future on some trail. They've done quite a bit out in the Olympic, Olympics, uh, 
and Rocky Mountain National Park uh, places in Oregon too. It'd be nice to see them again. It was a perfect day. Um, I popped off the trail at Gunflint, um, picked up a ride from Harriet with Harriet Quarles shuttle, um, and made it back to my vehicle. I'm gonna slack pack each end of the trail, and it's not technically a through hike, but I will have seen the entire border route trail, and I'm happy about that. It's the prettiest trail in Minnesota. I didn't know we had a place like that here. Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to checking out sections of it again. Um, kind of went through this one quickly this time around. Um, I would love to be able to do a trip where you maybe backpack for a day um, or paddle for a couple days and then backpack for a couple days and then go back to paddling again. I th and it would be really fun to uh, use the border lakes um, for the vantage point, to see the vantage points on the border lakes from both the canoeist angle and then from the border route backpacker angle. I think that would be just an astounding trip to take. And it's uh, definitely not a beginner trail, but I, I think a lot of people are really afraid of the trail, and I don't think they should be as afraid of it as they likely are or have been led to believe they should be. So get out there check out the border route trail it's the best uh, kept secret in minnesota as far as backpacking trails go happy hiking there's a whole nother journey in the boundary waters joe border route trail matthew it can you know another advantage of uh, going up in the fall is that it can get a little thick through there in the summer with vegetation and uh, you know the trail isn't necessarily as well worn as maybe some others along the North Shore even that people might be more familiar with so it's uh, for a certain level of hiker but the fall it opens up in there and it's a little easier to kind of find your way the weather's nice the bugs are largely gone or are gone uh, it's a perfect time of year so that's why we wanted to we kind of held off on Michelle's piece for uh, this September to reinforce, like, it's a great time to get out on the trails. Mm -hmm. A lot less concern about capsizing when you're backpacking. <laughs> Indeed, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe could view somebody uh, battling the waves out on the on rows or something as you hike the border out trail. And sometimes that may be more pleasing. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, audio diary episode. Here it was. I thought I think it was fantastic. Um, I do want to make a point about something uh, that maybe you're not even familiar with, actually, Matthew. I would encourage our listeners to to hang tight all the way through uh, Mr. Ian Tamblin, who we're about to hear at the end. Uh, you had a visitor come through your camp, Matthew. That maybe maybe you don't even know much about this. Uh... Oh, the chipmunks. <laughs> well, just stick around and. Uh... You'll find out, I guess. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, surprise, surprise. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Thinking if the strokes are true, we're gonna get through. 
other side Out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Rule me, rock me in my dreams You can rule me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance I play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light All around the campfire light All around, all around, all around the campfire light Lindsay here and my dad and Matthew went up to check the campsite one last time just to make sure we didn't leave anything behind um, and what, what is that what's that what is the hell is that what the hell is that hey Ed Lindsay Ed what are you I thought I heard you Who's this old timer you're sitting with? I heard talking. Who's this, on Lindsay? On. This is my neighbor Ed. Ed. Yeah. Hello, Ed. sir. Ed, I thought this is my dad, Jeff. Yeah. You've got a fine daughter, if I do say so myself. Ed. <laughs> Ed, I thought you were supposed you were supposed to be house sitting for us. Well, I was, but I got jealous you were out here without me. Okay. Actually, I've been following you on your whole trip, observing from afar and noticing your reflections along the way. That that's not creepy at all. No, no, not at all. It's just how I like to spend my time observing from a distance. Okay. Okay. But I f- I felt the need to intervene at this last point in your journey because. I've been out in the wilderness for years, years, you see, and uh, I heard all of the wisdom you were speaking, and I wanted to say that I think the world is in good hands. This old man has seen a lot of turmoil, and you give me hope. Jeffrey, you've done a great job being a humble father. Thank you, Ed. Lindsay? You keep on the way you're going, but you be wary of that guy, Matthew. I don't know about him sometimes. <laughs> all right, all right, I'll take you. I don't want him to see me. He'll be angry. I'm not at the house. I better go. Okay. I won't tell Bye, him. Ed. Bye, Ed. Bye.